Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Okay, well, we're excited to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, we have, uh, you, you know we have been in a, in a series on King David for, I think I, I mentioned last week I was wrong, um, but this is week 11. Uh, so we've been in this series in King David since September. Yeah. Uh, and so what we thought we would do is uh, just essentially do kind of a short recap. And then Pastor Holly and I will just want to have a conversation together. We like doing this every once in a while, just talking about our main takeaways uh, from this series and what the Lord has done in our heart and mind. And mm-hmm. hopefully that'll help us all connect in a really uh, uh, kind of new uh, way as we conclude our, our series together. Uh, and so, you know, one of our goals, just as we think about this, one of our goals here at Crossview is not just the, tra- the, the, the transfer of information, right? We, we, it is important to learn and to grow, but what we really want, the outcome of all that we do, is transformation. We want to be growing and changing as people in our heart, in our mind, and that sometimes there comes in a lot of different ways, including knowledge, but we want it to, to result in, in heart and life change. And so uh, that's kind of what we, what, what's kind of guiding this is what are some of the things that have, you know, made an impact on us over these last 10 weeks and, right. and how, how have we changed because of it? Yeah. We're, what are we going to do with all this information that we've received? Yes. The, I mean, it's been like I mean, almost three months, right? So there's yeah. a lot of information in there, but a lot of story, yes. um, which is what I've loved about this series. I think that we um, we learn well through story. Yeah. The story is transformative as mm-hmm. well, and so it's kind of it's really exciting. We've had fun this week talking about the ways that this series has uh, touched our hearts mm-hmm. and the transformation we can see uh, through that. Yeah. So real quick, I know we've gone through a lot of weeks together in David. So if you can remember, week one was David and Goliath. We talked Wait, about. Should give him a pop quiz. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pop quiz. Anyone? Uh, week two was David and Himelech. Week three was the story of David and Abigail. Uh, week four was that initial story of David and Saul and what was going on there. Week five was the coronation of David. I don't remember if you remember all of these. Week six was that conversation where David wanted to build God a palace like his. And Nathan, the prophet, said, no, it's not, what God, it's not what you do for God. It's what God does through you. Week seven was Mephibosheth. Uh, week eight, Pastor Mark uh, teached and brought a really powerful message about who David was. And week nine, uh, we talked uh, the story of David and Bathsheba. And then last week, we ended with the story of David and Yuza. You remember those two different approaches to the presence of God. That's a lot of David stories that we've gone through. And maybe even as I kind of go through those, you're, hopefully the Spirit is like connecting with your heart and mind. You're remembering some of those. And you're like, oh yeah, what did the Lord say to me in that yeah. aspect? So we had originally talked about, we've talked about this a number of different times throughout the weeks. But one of the things that I really love, Pastor Holly, like you said, was the idea that that we can connect so well with the story of David because it is a story. Yeah. Yeah, a story of a, a real human. A real human. And, and we see his humanity throughout the story very well. And then really, the really cool thing about David is that um, his story 
is, I think you've pointed out, the, the longest, the single most extensive story of a, of a, single, uh, of, character of a single character in, scripture. in the entire Bible. It takes up a lot of scripture real estate, right? Yes, a, lot, it does. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. And uh, I think that's, it actually, and it also has, unlike other, some other stories in the Bible, the story of David actually has a lot of narrative aspects to it that make sense to us. A beginning, an end, there's conflict, there's resolution, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's even kind of, it has an arc to it and then an ending, I mean, like we would engage with a story. In other aspects of scripture, it maybe has some of that stuff, but, but not like it does with David. Uh, and so one, one commentator I read this week uh, writes this. God reveals himself. And I love how it's so real. David's so real in the story. God reveals himself, he writes, uh, to us not in a metaphysical formulation or a cosmic fireworks display, but in the kind of stories that we use to tell our children who they are and how to grow up as human beings. And so there's this really kind of authentic way that we connect with David and this idea of how his story works yeah. in Scripture. And I really like that. I like that we get to see David kind of forming this relationship with God ongoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a fun, a fun thing. And here's the other thing. It's a real relationship with God. Did you know there is not one single miracle in the story of David? Yeah, I hadn't realized that until yeah. you pointed it out. I had to sit back and think, no, that, I mean, that can't be right, right? Because it's, here's this extensive story and all these things, but no, no, no there's n- not one. Not like a New Testament miracle, like, like we would see. There's not one single miracle of that type of sort right. in the story of David. Maybe you like think David and Goliath, that's a miracle of a type, right? But it's God working through the ordinary life and circumstances of an ordinary person. Right. Isn't that incredible to think about? Like that in itself is transformational for me. That's one way that we can connect with the story of David in, its most, in a really significant way. There's not a miracle in the story. It is the story of a person and their dependence, not dependence, and interaction with God. It's, That's there, it's his relationship with God. Yeah. Which is so relatable, right? Because yeah. like we're real people who may not have seen a, what we would call a miracle in our lives. Perhaps some of you have, uh, but, but, uh, but I think for most of us, like, we're, we're just regular people yeah. and our <laughs> lives are regular lives. And uh, it's so amazing and wonderful to think that God can work in these powerful ways through regular people. Yeah. So I think that, like, my love for David and, and how he interacts with God has grown over these last several weeks mm-hmm with, with uh, realizing this and has really encouraged me, I think. Another commentator I, wrote, I read wrote this, as we follow Jesus and explore the life of salvation, we're frequently tempted by a variety of seductions to deny or avoid or denigrate uh, ordinariness or the common way. We're incited to lust after miracle and ecstasy, after flashy displays of the supernatural. Newcomers to this are often unaware of the thin ice that they're walking on. Here's the danger. There are most emphatically miracles in ecstasy and the supernatural in the Christian life, but they are never an escape from our humanity. They're never a shortcut around our humanity. God works in the ordinary everyday of our life. (laughs) Whoa! So good. That's what. That's really what. What. Uh, what we would call the incarnation of God, yes. the coming of Jesus mm-hmm. into our world. That's. Uh, that's what that means. It's this entering into uh, the human condition, embracing yeah. the human condition, and uh, and 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 living even within the confines of uh, of humanity. God coming to where we are 
to save us. Yes. Yeah. And so that is also another really encouraging kind of takeaway uh, from this story of David mm-hmm. and what he can do through you, uh, through your life on an everyday, regular basis. Yeah. God can do powerful things through you uh, to build the kingdom, to minister to others, to love people well, uh, and it's incredible. There's no other biblical story that has kind of this range to it. Uh, I think this kind of dimension of how God works uh, in the life of someone who's responsive. And we learn how God works in the life of someone who's not responsive sometimes too, because David certainly had those moments. And I appreciate that too. I think if we only saw the shiny parts of David's life, then it would not be as relatable because my life is not always or even usually shiny. Right. Right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> I, relate I don't know to that. if I want Amen. you to agree with that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see that hand. Yes. Uh, okay. So, Pastor Holly, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of our kind of specific. So, we talked about the story in general, but w- what are some of the main takeaways or some of the weeks that were really meaningful to you? Yeah. Uh, as you, you know, yeah, that you would you, you'd like to share about. Well, it was a lot of fun to think through that because we, we talked about that earlier this week. Like, what were the stories that were powerful uh, to us uh, individually and, and, uh, and, and what did they mean? And the one that really stood out for me was you preached in week seven, uh, about halfway through, on David and Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I love that is because that is such a fun name to say. I know. Yeah, you, it's really tough. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. So I might, I, might, I might mess it up. But, but in this story, if you'll, uh, this is one of the times when we see David being really responsive to God, really responsive responsive to the spirit, the voice uh, of God. And if you remember, this is the, this is the story where David is king, and he goes back to find out yeah. if, if there are any living relatives of King Saul. Mm-hmm. King Saul was his, uh, his predecessor, predecessor mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and really very much an, an enemy, um, at least in Saul's viewpoint. And, uh, and he finds this man named Mephibosheth, yeah. who is... Wait, the, what was he called again? I think his name was Mephibosheth. Yeah. Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan, who was David's friend. And, uh, and the story goes that, that Mephibosheth was only five years old when his father and his grandfather were killed. Uh, and that when that news broke... And he was crippled. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, exactly. Yeah. No, it's, you're like... You're yeah, ahead of the story there. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so when that news broke, right, that uh, Saul and Jonathan, those are the names I almost messed up, uh, were killed, Mephibosheth's uh, nurse or nanny, essentially his caretaker, was afraid for his life, and rightfully so. He was, I'm sure his life yeah. was, was in danger. Um, so she picked him up and she ran. She fled. And in that running, she fell. And that uh, left him with a permanent disability in both feet, uh, the scripture tells us. And so, so my take from that is that he probably lived that way. He probably yeah. lived afraid for his life, yep. uh, a fugitive basically, uh, and with this permanent disability uh, his, his whole life. And then David found him. And, uh, and the thing that you know, would have been politically expedient for David to do would have been to have him executed right. uh, because he's the... the, the um, descendant of of Saul, yeah. and that's what Mephibosheth had been afraid of probably his entire life that David would find him and that his life would be over. But that's not what David did. 
uh, instead he brought Mephibosheth to Jerusalem, to his palace. He gave him his inheritance of land that he would have had uh, as a descendant of King Saul. Uh, He gave him a home. He gave him a a household staff, and he Mm -hmm. invited him to the table, Mm -hmm. to King David's table, to share in meals with him, which uh, the Bible tells us Mephibosheth did that, was a frequent guest at David's table, then for the rest of his life. And I think, um, you know, what's amazing about this to me is that David had, had the opportunity and he had the right based on his, the standards of his day, to uh, just destroy this man. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He showed him kindness, and he welcomed him to the table. And this has, this has stuck with me. That story struck me because it's, it's so meaningful um, and I think uh, applicable to our world uh, today, and particularly our social environment right now here in the United States, right? It's, which is very cutthroat mm-hmm. and... Um, it just seems like we are encouraged to take every opportunity that we can to, uh, to one-up each other mm-hmm. and to shame those that we disagree with, to, to destroy uh, in one way or another yeah. people that we would, would think of as, um, uh, as an enemy, mm-hmm. to use our power and our privilege and our rights to our advantage. Uh, and David was encouraged to do that too, right? He, he, he could yeah. have used the, his power to his advantage right. here. Uh, and he didn't. He didn't yeah. listen to that kind of advice, right. and neither should we. Yeah. Uh, so the question that you asked in that message, which has really just um, touched my heart, is what will we choose as the primary navigational means for our life? Will we choose power or will we choose love? Yeah. And, uh, and in this story and in my life, I just I want to choose love. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. This is like there's like really high drama in that story, right? Yeah. I mean, where David invites. Uh, Mephibosheth to uh, well done. Thank you yeah. to the ca- to his palace. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like the expectation probably from everyone around him is David is going to. He's done. He's done. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, the the flip of that, and I think that's the transformational point that you hit on in that story is that David used his power uh, to to love and bless, yeah, and give and be extra- incredibly generous uh, to someone who was an enemy. So oh, that's like, okay, yeah, I think about if you can, who might be someone you disagree with or you might have a hard time with, or maybe even you have someone you might label an enemy. Yeah. What would that look like in your life uh, to bless and be right. generous and give to them? Whew, that's kind of uncomfortable maybe, isn't it? <laughs> but that's the transformation. That's what this story is. Right. Uh, God is calling us to, uh, uh, to, to do through this story other places as well, but particularly this one. I'm just really uh, touched by the, the thought of what the, the kind of healing that must have taken yeah. place there. Uh, not only in, in Mephibosheth's life as one who had been on the run his whole life, but now was welcomed into yeah. the, the palace, yeah. the place that rightfully would have been his from, from birth, his birthright, uh, but also the healing that took place between the families and even yes. in the nation of Israel. Yeah, I mean, you think about the effect that it had on not just David and Mephibosheth, mm-hmm. but all those watching. Yes. Oh, this David yeah. guy is a different type of person, right? <laughs> right? Uh, that's cool to think about. That's really cool. And isn't that what we want people to be able to say about us? Yeah. It's a different kind of person. Yeah. yeah. So you had another week that you were uh, thinking about highlighting. 
yes, yes, I did. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, so we'll notes. go back. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. <laughs> we do. Um, the week prior to that, in week six, that's when you talked about uh, David and Nathan. That's when David was. Uh, David wanted to build the temple. He wanted to build a, yes. a home, a permanent home for God. And his intentions were uh, were so good, right? I have this palace, here's this city, and we, we need a, a permanent home for God. God is living in a tent. That's not okay. So David had that, um, that heart, but ultimately uh, God said to him through the, the prophet Nathan, uh, that's not what I've asked you to do. I've not asked you to build a home for me. Uh, and the important thing here is not what you are doing uh, for me, but what I am doing, what I'm going to do through you. Yes. And so that, um, that also was significant for me in, in just thinking about like, how often do I think that I, you know, I want to do something big for God. Mm-hmm. I want to do something important and significant for the kingdom of God, something that really is lasting. Um, and, and this story, along with some other things in my life, really um, just reminded me that sometimes when my focus is on doing for God instead of being with God, yeah. then uh, well, two things are going to happen. The first is that I am likely to, uh, to try to do something that God has not asked me to do. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in doing that, I may miss the thing that he is asking mm-hmm. me to do, right? Uh, but then second, and I think even more important, is uh, I'm going to miss out on experiencing the joy of the presence of the Lord. Yeah. If that's, uh, if, if that's what I do. There was a man um, who lived in the, the 17th century. We've talked about him before. Yep. Brother Lawrence, we call him. And he was a, a monastic. We would probably think of him as a, as a monk. Um, and after his death, some of his letters and writings were published into a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. And I just love that phrase. You should read the book. The book yeah. itself is fantastic. But just that phrase, the practice of the presence of God, is so meaningful um, and that is, that's the same, that Jesus calls this abiding in yes. him, right? Practicing the presence of God is abiding in Jesus. And that's, that's what we're called to do. That is my first calling. And yeah. that's my takeaway. Brother from Lawrence, there's an incredible story. Maybe you know this, but Brother Lawrence gets assigned to peel potatoes in the kitchen mm. and he's all upset about it uh, because he wants to be doing something for God. And what he learns in that is that <laughs> Peeling potatoes can be as meaningful an experience with God as, you know, doing anything else for God. So it's this really kind of powerful kind of experience uh, Brother Lawrence writes about. And I I think that too. Uh, You know, I've had these last several weeks and my schedule have been incredibly busy. And I think I've found that uh, this week for me was definitely reorienting because you kind of get caught up in all the stuff that you've got to do. And it's important stuff, right? Or at least you think that it's important stuff. But yeah. then um, sometimes, just like you said, that what, what we need to focus on is being open and available to God, pr- practicing that presence so he can do that work through us. We can see clearly what he's calling us to do. So there is a difference there. And uh, that was meaningful to me uh, from that week as well. Kyle, yeah. how are you opening yourself to God so that he can work through you the way that he right. wants to? Uh, rather than what you think is all important stuff, right? right? Right. (laughs) That's a hard question, and it means a change. Sometimes it means a change in how you schedule your day and and what you do, and uh, so that was was a good good one for me. Well, what about you? Yeah, for me? You preached your own sermons. What would you learn from (laughs) (laughs) You guys ready for 10 sermons in a row? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
No, I think I was, we were talking about earlier. For me, I've kind of been on this journey through these weeks. Of, yeah. I, I think uh, I might characterize it as one of the things that, that I've seen in the life of David that has spoken to me is the idea of listening to God. Kind of piggybacking off of that being available to God mm-hmm. um, that we just talked about from week six. But uh, you look, watch what David did and his attention to God and what that looked like in his life. Week one, David and Goliath. He was... Remember, we talked about him having just a, a completely different perspective than everyone else around him. He comes to where Goliath is in the standoff with the Israelite army, and everyone's just assuming there's nothing they can do. We talked about the fact that the Philistines had better weaponry and this giant, so the Israelites are like, well, are we going to lose by fighting the army or lose by fighting Goliath? And then David comes in and is like, what's going on? Why isn't anyone challenging this guy? It's not you that's fighting this battle. It's the Lord, right? And he's like 15. He just got his permit. I mean, it's incredible. (laughs) Uh, It's just a different perspective. And then he goes out in the power of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, we didn't really cover it in, the, in that week, but Saul tries to give him all, the, all his armor and weapons. And at that point, you know, it was the king that had the nice weapons and armor. And so Saul's thinking, well, let me give you at least somewhat of an advantage. And David's like, no, <laughs> this is the Lord's battle. Oh, my goodness. To be that young and to have that kind of dependence on God, like David was tuned in to God. So that week, God spoke to me in that way. How tuned in are you to me? So when you might face something that's overwhelming or uh, you don't know the way forward, it could be a very fearful situation. Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to depend on me like that? What's your answer? (laughs) And I'm just like, ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I'm trying, right? I had this uh, professor in college who always asked me every time I see him, Kyle, Mm -hmm. Are you abiding in the truth? You yeah. actually got to meet this professor I did. at one, one of your seminary trips. And I said, I went up to him and I said, I wanted to say hello to you yeah. from uh, Kyle Wellstead. And he said, would you ask Kyle a question for me? <laughs> and then he asked me to pass that question yes, along yes. to you. Kyle, are you abiding in the truth? And when I was in college, I was like, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, and so I, I think that's a, a maybe week one for me that I'm trying. I'm trying to trust God like that. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> How about all of us? Uh, yeah. Then we get to the second week. I won't go through all weeks in a row yeah, here. I'm a little nervous. You did week yeah, one and now week two. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but week two, we talked about David and Ahimelech. Remember? So this is the story where David gets really famous after fighting Goliath and, and Saul gets really jealous. And it, we talked about the point of the story where Saul decides, I'm going to kill David. We're going to do everything we can to kill David. And so David goes on the run. And on the way to the wilderness, he stops by the priest Ahimelech, and he essentially, he's, he's, everything in his decision-making process at this point is fear-driven, right? He's afraid. He doesn't know what to do. He's, so before, he was tuned in to God, depending on and trusting God. And then fear creeps in, and now he's totally not listening to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's doing his own thing, and he's driven by fear. And he lies, remember, he lies to the priest to get holy bread. I mean, it's like sacrilegious lying. It's real bad, right? And he, and he tricks the priest to get uh, Goliath's sword, which at that point was a museum piece, and it was supposed to remind him of what God did in that moment with Goliath. David misses it, right? And he takes the bread, and he takes the sword, and off he goes. Everything in David's decision-making uh, process is fear-based at that point. Yeah. And so uh, I see this 
this change in him, what happens in his life when he's not listening, when he's not depending, when he's not abiding? And right. Then I think, okay, what happens in my life when I'm not listening, when I'm not abiding, when I'm not paying attention, when I'm driven by fear? We read this quote uh, that said, uh, fear is always an enemy of faith. It is a battleground of the Christian experience. David is now looking through the threatening clouds of opposition and trouble instead of looking down at circumstances through the rainbow of God's love. It's very easy to lose 20-20 spiritual vision, and it's easy to develop a spiritual squint to see things in the wrong perspective and to start to panic. So the question I was asking myself is that, is there an aspect of that in my life, yeah. uh, in my walk with the Lord? David eventually comes around, right? In Psalm 9, verse 9, he writes, The Lord is my shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. <laughs> so I'm glad that he came around, but it's like, okay, David was really tuned in. He's really dependent, really listening, and now he's not. Yeah. And so what does that look like in my life? That's so good. I think that, that when we are not abiding in the Lord, when we are not in, in his presence and, um, and acting out of that love, then fear is yeah. the alternative right. there, right? And it might, it might look like other things. It might look like anger or pride or even ambition, yeah. but it's really based in, in fear. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live yeah. in fear, right. Uh, and then the last, the last week I'll talk about this is just that next week we talked about the story of David and Abigail. Abigail was like the voice of the Lord that finally broke through to David here. Remember, David is about to make another terrible decision. He's, yeah. he's going to go kill Nabal and all his friends and all his family because of this insult. Uh, and then in, in walks Abigail, who is essentially like God's voice breaking into David's heart and mind. And we read this. It says, Abigail witnesses, God's, uh, witnesses to God's work in David. She breaks through and says, this is not who you are, right? Uh, she witnesses David's or God's work in David. God's call, God's promise, God's covenant, God's word. David's uh, life is so tangled up in God's work and revelation that there's no way he can extricate himself and still be himself without God. That was reorienting for me. It was like, I can't be who I'm supposed to be (laughs) without the definition of who I am in God. And so that finally broke into David, uh, into his heart and mind. David, remember who you are. Remember the calling that you have on your life. Remember what God has done on you. Yeah. So that week and even now I still like experience that deeply. I, I'm hearing again the Spirit of God reminding me yeah. of yeah. my call to serve him. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that aspect. So Abigail spoke to David, sp- speaking to me too through yes. the Holy Spirit. Oh, I thanks, love that. Thanks scripture. That's so good. We are yeah. we are whole when we are in Christ. Yes. Yeah. We could talk forever about this <laughs> because it's so fun. And I hope this has been somewhat helpful just as a new way to kind of engage in some of these stories. Uh, you know, I might just highlight one of the last ones that was really meaningful for me uh, was week nine. I'll invite the worship team to come on back up. Um, but was week nine, uh, David and Bathsheba, and we talked about this idea of, it was a tough week because we talked about the idea of sin, how that works in our life, recognize that we have to acknowledge that that is in our life, that sin is in our life, that we have that. Yeah. But we also recognized what the gospel does for that. That the step one is that the, the step one of the work of the gospel is to reveal to us where that might exist in our life, but doesn't leave us there, right? right? But invites us to a story of, 
of uh, redemption, reconciliation, being remade, renewed in Jesus' forgiveness through faith. Uh, We talked about how David's sin was enormous, but it was wildly outdone by God's grace. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? And so that was a really meaningful, like, life-giving message for me. Like, okay, let's go do this thing. Woo! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Work through us, God. (laughs) I think if we were to say that there's... If, if there's one thing yeah. that I know, I know that this is your heart too. If there's one thing that we would pray that you would take away from this series, I think it would, it would be, uh, it would be that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That there is, um, uh, that it does, that no matter what has happened, uh, in your life, no matter what, uh, sin has invaded, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what, that God's grace is greater, mm-hmm. uh, and his forgiveness is greater, and his yeah. redemption is greater, and he wants you to be reconciled to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to encourage you this week, today, this this week, just go through these stories. Think about what the Lord has spoken uh, to you. Write them down. Like, mm-hmm. make some changes. Let's not just get, let's not stop at the information, but let's move together toward transformation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Can I invite you to stand and let's pray together? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word over these many weeks together, several months of being in the story of David, and how incredible that's been. I know you have spoken to so many hearts and minds. Uh, you've renewed, you've changed. I pray that that will continue uh, for these next few days, weeks, and months. Your spirit is alive, it's active, and it speaks to us. So we surrender to you, Jesus. We're going to do our best to abide in you, (laughs) to continually say yes to you, moment by moment, day by day, week by week. Yes, Jesus, do your work in my life. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this last song together.